But speaking of social distancing, this series is called Up Close and Personal. Social distancing wasn't really a thing in the book of Acts. And um, we're in week two. This series is on a look at the gospel of John because John was special. John had a revelation, I believe. And the reason he had revelation is because he was with Christ up close and personal. So the gospel came after Jesus died and years later and John wrote his gospel. But there's things that happened while Jesus walked the earth that gave John enough insight and revelation that created him to pen this gospel. And it started with last week when he was standing at the cross and Jesus delegated to Mary, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. And he swapped delegation because Christ was going to leave this earth, leave this life. But my passage today is John chapter one through one through, need more coffee. John chapter one, verse one through 18. And I wanna give you my title though real quick so you know what this is about. This is called Revelation Reception. Last week, last week was taken to heart. This week is Revelation Reception. Touch your neighbor and tell them you need a revelation. Come on, somebody. Reception. Come on, this is not a library. If you don't speak, the microphone just breaks. It's something with the devil. I don't know. If we don't engage, the microphone just stops working. Jen, I don't know. It's really weird how that works. You need a revelation. Zoro snap. Reception. Little in living color. Anybody remember in living color? Can I get some Keenan Ivory Wayans fans? Come on, somebody. Some Damon Wayans. Oh, we won't even go there. I could really go off the hinges with some good old in living color skits. This is my favorite. I've got two favorite chapters in John, John chapter three and John chapter one. This is even with my favorite chapter three. In the beginning was the word, the plan. And the word was with God and the word also was God. So people make this so complicated. God had a plan and you can't separate his plan from who he is. When he speaks, his words are who he is. He spoke, let there be light, and it happened. God is who he is, he is his word, and they can't be separated. In the beginning was the word, the plan, and the word was with God, and the word, it was God. He was in the beginning with God. He, capital He, Jesus, the plan. Christ is referred to as the plan of redemption. Can I get a little little theological on you for a second? The plan of redemption also is Christ, the word in time and space, the plan. He was with the Lord. God had a plan. And all things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. If it was made, it was made by Him. You know, if you have it, it's his. Oh, I'm about to preach in February. I hope y'all don't, don't hate me when I start talking about tithing and get real for a minute. Just talk about the Bible and, ooh, they talk about money. Yeah, we got to talk about it sometimes because it's biblical. We talk about giving. We talk about all those things because everything that we have is his. Oh, I don't like that, says the rich man. I'll go back depressed, says the rich man. But we're going to get to that in another message. But it says here, Nothing was made that was not made by him. And in him, everybody say it, in him was life. Verse four, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend the light. 
The darkness is the world, the evil ways, the sin, the bad things, the light. You should be, the, the, let this light be in you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light's going to go into the world and confuse darkness and make the devils run into some pigs, find something else to occupy because when the spirit of the Lord is in me, the devils can't be present at the same time. They have to flee because of the light. You see, the light in you through the new birth, John chapter three, is to scare off the darkness. And as the body of Christ, we are the light of the world. That's the mission. You with me? We are the light. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So this life has been gifted to us in a way that can flow through us and scare off darkness. So good. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, not to be confused with the apostle John. This is John the Baptist. How many know there was more than one John in the Bible? Yes. So John is talking about John, the other John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Him lowercase, John the Baptist. See, John John baptized unto repentance. People follow John. When you say, I follow Christ, I get baptized to show that my faith is real, that I'm not just confessing, that I'm actively taking steps. So when people follow John the Baptist unto repentance, they believed him and his mission. But he was just illuminating the pathway of the one who was to, was to come and who baptized with fire, the Bible says, and that's Jesus Christ. So John is talking about John paving the way. John the weirdo with the, 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 the wild locusts and the, and the funny, funny pants and whatever he wore. I don't know. He was strange and in the wilderness, but God will use strange people. He is, he uses strange people. I can, when I look in the mirror, I go, God, you're using a strange individual. Anybody else feel strange, but know that God can use you? God wants to use strange people. If we were all the same, how boring of a world would have been. A little, be, a little weird is good. If you want to be good in God's eyes, you got to be a little weird to the world. Unfortunately, it's good. So this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Verse eight, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives every light, gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, I love this. And I, I have King James, sorry, Don. I have KJV stuck in here, but this is NKGV. It's a little different. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world knew him not. I mean, the world did not know him. He was in the world. He made the world and the world did not know him. What a shame. He came to his own people, own family, and they did not receive him. He said, I'm coming. I made it. I made you. I love you. And they said, we don't know you. But as many as received him, to them gave, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God, to those who believe in his name. Oh, he's talking about John chapter three here, but he hasn't got there yet. Let's, let's read that again. But as many, everyone, let's read this together. But as many, that means willing, to receive him, to them gave he the right to become of God, the children of God, to those who believe in him. KJV says, what is it? What is it? He gave them the right um, to become sons and daughters of God, sons of God, everybody, 
it's worded a little different and that says children. To those who believe in his name. See, believing in his name first is understanding the authority of Jesus Christ. And my belief in his name causes me to take action, which leads me to repentance, which leads me to baptism, which leads me to seeking the infilling of his spirit, which leads me to transformation. But he says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become. He gave them power to become to as many that received him. You have to receive him if you want to become. Make sense? It didn't say to as many that he could just shove down the plan of salvation to their throats, would take it. No, he says, if they received me and hear me with my spiritual ears and see me with my spiritual eyes, they have the right to become heirs of my kingdom by grace. Yeah, you can clap for that because that's good. Because if it wasn't for that right there, we'd be in trouble. Big trouble, big, big trouble. What cartoon was that? I don't know. Oh, I'm just having a senior moment at 41. (laughs) oh good this is so good verse 14 and the word became flesh the word was God's plan of redemption and it wrapped itself in flesh and it dwelt among us it was hanging out with us and we beheld his glory and the glory of the only born of or begotten of the father full of grace and truth the reason we call him the son is because he's the fruit of something that was created by Mary but the plan never changed It came through the begotten son. The plan has been born, has a creation date, but no expiration. Doesn't have an expiration, Larry, but he has a creation date. So through that plan, the Messiah, God delivered his mission into the world. John bore witness of him, cried out and said, this is whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. He was before me. Now he's talking about John the Baptist talking about, hey, he hasn't come yet, but he actually was already coming way before I was even created. You know, they were cousins too. And he said, and that's my cousin too, John the Baptist. How crazy is that? So cool. So he says, he was actually before me, even though he's coming after me in the physical, his plan was way before me. And his full witness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, see, Jesus came to fulfill the law because the law was not fulfillable until Christ came. And if there'd be no grace, there's no way we could carry the law. It was just a list of mandates. But God said, I'm gonna do away with that because I wanna know man's heart. So because of grace, says the Lord through truth, In Christ, we can fulfill the law through the New Testament. Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is the bosom of the father, he has declared him. God doesn't have hands. God is a spirit. The only face of God we know of is Jesus. The fullness of the God had dwelleth in Christ bodily. He is the father in creation. He is the son through the plan of redemption and he is the spirit through regeneration. I will come for you. I will not leave you comfortless. Later, Jesus says in John, I think it's chapter 14. I will not leave you parentless, the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I will come to you. He's telling you what's about to happen on the day of Pentecost before it happened. And yes, they were all highly confused. See, revelation comes by those who are willing to be receptive to it. And you're going to be confused. And God's going to unconfuse you after a few confusing steps towards him. 
revelation comes by the willingness to be receptive to the things of God. And I believe John, the apostle John, had the revelation of who God was. That's how he wrote chapter one, because he was close to God. Until you are close enough, you will never understand from a distance. You can't. You can't. We're, I'm studying some stuff on ethics right now, and it's kind of like funny because you would never think some of these are like struggling decisions to make in your mind. And what I found is there's a lot of scenarios in your life you can really go, yes, I would never do that from a distance. But when you're in it, or it's your relative, or it's your child, or it's your parent, or it's your aunt, or your uncle, it's a little bit more gray to say for sure because it's different because you're in it. And that's because you're connected at the source because you have a bond there with the person that before you said, yeah, throw them to the wolves. But now you're saying, hey, I don't know if that's what I would do. Maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. You know, politics, black and white, everything's black and white, not color, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's clear cut until you get in the heart of a moment and you go, maybe I'm not empathetic. Maybe I don't agree, but I can still love people, you know? Like there's a difference. Like I don't agree with a lot of my friends, but I'll never stop loving my friends. And I don't agree with my family sometimes, but I'll never stop loving my family. And so that's where empathy comes in. And that's something you can't really touch from a distance. You gotta get in it. And that's what's so cool about church. And that's something uh, Church Plants has blessed me with. Because when you get in the thick of things, you have to deal with people differently than just watching on the sideline going, why did they do that? And why did they do that? And oh, that's annoying. And oh, I wish they had this. And if you, you just can't, you can't understand it until you get in it. And so John had the revelation because he was willing to get in it and get dirty with it and figure out really what is this about and how would I really react in these situations because I really don't know because I've never been there. I've always been by the fence. So that's why we're always pushing sheep towards the herd because we know that if you get in with the sheep, and you get by the shepherd, and you get with Christ, that he will change the way you process these thoughts from a distance. And John had that revelation. He was receptive to revelation. We got to look deeper. John was willing to look deeper. It's hard to see beneath the surface if we never compromise our comfort. We've heard this message. It's because it's true, but people need to hear it over and over because it's so easy to fall back. I mean, look at, look at all the options Amazon gives you. There's options for everything. You don't really have to work to get like two-day shipping. Oh, great. Oh, I go to the grocery store. I have all these choices and I can just really live a complacent, comfortable life if I want to. But if you want to go beyond where you've always been, you have to change some things and do some things different. That's why Mike was saying, you step, I step. Like it really takes a, a conscious decision. I'm going to do something different to get a different result. You should learn to love the battles. I know that sounds sick and weird. Bishop Jakes, says, I love fighting lions. Because every time there's a disruption, God brings something new. And I add a layer of revelation. The battles sitting in our jammies, I love it for a minute. But after a while, I want to go to church, you know? Now, I don't want to catch corona. That's cool. I'm not criticizing all that. But I'm saying... We have to go back to seeking, not letting God just deliver to us like a pizza delivery service. We got to look deeper. We got to be more than once a month. We got to be all in. Let's go, let's go all in. I want to change the world. I don't want to be a spectator anymore. I want to be, I want to be the church, you know? 
I'm sick of going and visiting some church and looking at it and watching what they do. I want to be the church. Well, that's, that's good because that's what we're called to do. John had that revelation. He was receptive to the revelation, so he put his toe into the process. And God says, I got you, and took him light years ahead. That takes looking deeper. What's funny about John and all the apostles is they were highly confused why they roamed with him all that time, the three and a half years. They roamed with Jesus, and Jesus gave them stuff little by little, and he gradually increased what he gave them. And at one point, he's saying, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you cannot be part of my body. And they're going, this is sick, man. What did I get myself into? I've been tricked. But Jesus was upping the revelation, upping the parables because their understanding was increasing. And still, some of it was confusing until he was gone and later came. That's when the revelation came. See, right now, maybe you're just receiving seeds. And you don't think anything's, anything's sticking in the roots. And then in six months, you're going to go, I remember that. I saw that. I get it now. Ding, ding. That aha moment. And that's what's so cool about God is he will give revelations to you in these layers and keep adding layers to your journey as you stay receptive to him. If we get to where we're like the Pharisees and say, well, I got to figure it out. God says, I can't give you nothing because you've, you've quit being hungry. You can never stop being hungry. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just more um, simple than that. It's just, we don't, we're scared. We're scared of what people will think if we seek and ask questions about God around people who we think are more godly than us. You know? Jen, I know we've talked about that. We've made jokes about that, me and Michelle, that people fear that. Like, they, 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 they won't even seek God because they're intimidated by what the, the Pharisees, I mean, the people around them preach at them because, they, they, because because sometimes the smartest people in the room are the quietest ones. Can I just say that? Sometimes if you gotta, if you got to give a 10-minute dissertation of your holiness, sometimes God's actually telling you, maybe you need to dig a little deeper because, because a hungry heart listens here, slow to speak, quick to listen, says James. Like, 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 so there's nothing to be intimidated about with seeking God. There's nothing to be intimidated about when you're like a small group and maybe somebody knows more than you. That's great. That's what you want. Iron sharpens iron. You don't want to be the smartest one in the room. You want to grow. And if you want to grow, you got to go into the groups, into your church, into your community, and look deeper beneath the surface and not worry about what people think. Oh, man, that was tough for me. You know how many times I've made some videos that I thought, this looks stupid? But if I can get their attention, if I can just get their attention that they, they remember it, Mike, maybe in six months they'll come to church. That's, 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 how, that's how I'm wired. I've done some, I mean, we've done some, what haven't we done, Michelle? We're out there. We're out there. We're out chasing down billboards, making videos of the billboards, showing people, showing people the secret shots from the billboards from weird angles, saying, "Yeah, we're everywhere. God's everywhere. When are you going to wake up and see it?" Like that's what we're trying to sell them: this idea that God is around them everywhere, and they're going, "Where are you, God?" God's saying, "Where are you? You step, I step." We've been in Bible studies before. And some people spoke up, and this is a good thing. And they said, I actually, somebody says, oh, well, we won't go over that because you all know that already. And then somebody says, no, actually, I don't. And that's what you need. You need to speak up. Because we, as we become more uh, sanctified in our walk, we can start becoming kind of numb to new people in the Lord. And we start, we start just kind of glazing over fundamentals, you know. 
Like, we just start assuming everybody knows everything. And, and I've had that happen more than once in a Bible study. Not one I was leading, just one, like, back in the day, I've been a small group. And, and people don't know what you think sometimes. And so it's cool when they say, hey, I want to learn that. I don't know that. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And that courage causes you to raise your hand, speak up. That courage is causing you to stand up, to speak up. We can fear we're not smart enough to receive more. But how many know that knowledge is toxic in your walk with God at some degrees? When knowledge takes the place of Jesus, Paul says, I must decrease for him to increase. And when we become so full of knowledge, we become Pharisees and our well stays full of toxic water. So we don't have to worry about being too smart. We can say, I'll never have it figured out. I come humbly before the throne. I'll never have it figured out. Too much confidence will take away your dependency on Christ. Christ becomes second place. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. It's real easy to get caught up in the mechanics like of church, for example, and X, Y, Z and all the technical and all the things, and then forget to pray and go, maybe I should pray. You know, I was talking to somebody uh, last week that visited, and we were talking about, like, the future, and we're, I'm always looking ahead. And, and I was saying, like, you know, when we do this, when we do this, and what was cool is he said, what if you underestimate what God's going to do? Like, what if you don't, and he wasn't saying I was doing this. He was throwing me a hypothetical. What if you are under-evaluating and not being receptive enough to the revelation that maybe you need more than you think and you don't even know what's coming? You know, and I was like, wow, that's so positive. It like made me feel, you mean, you mean oh yeah, you mean God can do so much more than I ever could think or imagine? Like he's gonna blow it up so much that it's, gonna, it's not gonna fit the plan, you know? And, and that's, that's a thing you know, but you have to be reminded of because you can fall back into the ways of yourself. Everybody goes through it and everybody has to stay conscious of it. So that's why I'm preaching it to you because it does happen and it will always be a thing that you fight. Look at the people who killed Christ. It was his own. Oh, Oh, this is gonna get too real for a minute. I don't know if I don't know if they can handle this, Nolani. Just kidding. We're his own. You know we hung him on the cross. I mean, we weren't there. You know his own hung him on the cross. He was killed by his own. It says he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? We beheld his glory and knew him not. We were his own. Essentially, we did kill him. We hung him on the cross. And so until we recognize that we have an accountability to stay honest with ourselves, we become just like the people of Jesus' day who hung him on the cross. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. It'll feel good when you realize God loves you. Jesus loves you. Anyway, he was betrayed by his own. And John saw the betrayal, John the apostle, by his own people. They all thought he was committing a crime. They thought he was committing a crime. But sometimes just the opposite of what you thought is the opposite of what God is thinking. It's the opposite. That's when God speaks. They knew him not. I love that part. He said, I'm going to send a savior. I'm going to redeem you. And then he gets there and we knew him not. I don't know about y'all, but I've shut the door on Jesus a few times on purpose. Can I say that? Oh, we're not. 
not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to say that. Like, like we can kind of like know him not by choice. I'm not trying to get so heavy on y'all, but this is, this is a big, this is a very important chapter. And if you really want to understand the revelation of God's love, you have to understand the depth of what has taken place here. We can write off those around us who've hurt us, but Jesus didn't write off those who hurt him. When Jesus, was, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before his captive, before he came captive, he took on the weight of the world, the sin. He never changed his mind. He even said, if it may be your will, may this pass for me. But it wasn't. That was the flesh praying to the spirit. And he still went to the cross, even though he could have said, I'm never speaking to them again. They did what to my sister? They did what to my family? They lied to my face. So I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, WWJD, where we're like, I'll never speak to them again unless they come apologize to me. And Jesus says, that's not what I did. I loved you anyway. When you did that to me, oh, you did that to me, says the Lord. Oh, yeah. We betrayed him, but thankfully, God made a way through grace. We can forgive them because God forgave us that night in the garden. And John had that aha moment because John knew where he grew, he grew up. He was one of them too. He roamed with Jesus, just like Peter. Peter betrayed him. They still made mistakes. Even after they knew him, they still were growing in their walk. Can y'all stand with me this morning? I want to give you the best part of this message, but See, y'all don't, you're not seeing it. I don't know if you're, if you're hearing this. Jesus was God. God says, I'm not sending somebody else. The Bible says there's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, not somebody else. God says, I'm gonna come. And John says, he was the word. He was. Everything we had was made through him. So Jesus Christ came and John had the revelation that he was God Almighty. That's big. That's big. Y'all tracking with me? We, we think of like the man as a shell. They're not getting this fence in. God is so big that he took on the form of life came and died for you personally. Just because his spirit that dwelleth in him was eternal, his flesh suffered like us. So until we recognize this man really suffered, he really came. But after all the things we know about Jesus, the spirit that was in him was the spirit that created us. It was God. It can't be separated. There is no greater love than to lay down your life for another. He was more than flesh and bones. He was more than flesh and bones. Man can't stop God. Even when they take his flesh away, they actually were fulfilling. See, they thought they were stopping the crime and God says, that's what I needed. You take away my flesh because you're fulfilling my destiny, says the Lord. Does anybody feel like this year you got your blessing stolen? Anybody? 
COVID? Did COVID steal your blessing this year? Maybe someone who plays drums is feeling like somebody stole his blessing this year. Don't worry about the blessing. Remember who brought the blessing. There's always blue skies on the other side of this. So don't worry about losing the blessing because God's got something better. And you know, there's some things you'll never replace. But God says, I will not leave you stranded. I will not leave you homeless. I will send a comforter to you so that anytime you feel like you lost something that is irreplaceable, know that I have suffered with you. I have felt the pain with you. I have stood in the inferno with you. I've never left you. And though you hurt, I hurt. God says, but I got you. And that's why you need me. And God says, I desire you. I desire you. Revelation comes by the willingness to be receptive to the things of God. Let's be like John who saw deeper who Christ was. He saw beyond the surface of this flesh and saw this is so much bigger. This is so much bigger. This little seed that's struggling, it's like that barberry bush I got at the lake that I thought I didn't get no water on it and it's gonna brown up and I didn't even I'm touching that thing and it started turning green on its own. I didn't give it any water. See, you think it's gonna die and God says it's gonna flourish. You think it's gonna take this amount of effort and God says I don't even need your touch from this because I got it, says the Lord. But you gotta go deeper and trust in his promises. It wasn't an accident that you came to church today. God called you here. It wasn't an accident that you feel challenged at times in your walk. God is challenging you. You want to be challenged. You want some adversity because God's shaken up the soil because something new is growing through you and then going to touch the next person. That's what One Seed Church is all about. We're going to ride the wave, church. You're going to see it. You're going to ride the wave. I put my life on it. We're riding the wave, and then we're going to see it go somewhere we didn't think God could do it that way. Okay, I trust you, Lord. I'm not going to worry about the cloud. I'm not going to worry about the rock giving me water. I'm not going to worry about any of these things because, God, you said you will deliver according to your word, and you got the rest. Let's pray if you could bow your heads with me. God, thank you for the shakeup. Thank you for moving us around, keeping us a bit uncomfortable so that we always stay close to you and question the things that are happening enough that we ask you to show us something from it, that the disruption may not distract us from the opportunity that comes from the disturbed soil, God. We need to shake up some soil to see something root, to see something root in this place. And we know we've got a mighty harvest brewing. God, we are thankful that we are sufficient to this day and that we are going to ride the wave and show the world that One Seed Church is on a mission and no principality of darkness can take away the mission. We laugh in the face of the enemy. So we pray for the battle, God, because we know you are going to deliver us like you always have. 
God, we pray that we we come to you this week, God. This is our call to action, that whatever I did last week, I'm going to do a little more for you this week. That if I didn't pray last week, I'm going to pray this week. That if I didn't read your word last week, I'm going to read just a chapter or a verse or the verse of the day this week. That if I didn't didn't believe you fully, God, that I'm going to say this week, I'm going to go all in fully, God. That I'm going to quit questioning you and trust you, and I'm going to be believing for an increase, God. And I pray right now, God, that you you bring that consolation to every believer in him, to as many that's believed on him shall be the sons and daughters of God. And we give you thanks right now. And if the house of God could say in Jesus' name, amen.